Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our newest edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole. As we jump into episode number 48 of the Debrief, the podcast that we use to essentially review the event that we just traveled to. And in this particular uh, edition, of course, a couple of weeks from our dual weekend double-double where David and I did four races over a two-weekend stretch. He and I actually were trackside together for, for this particular event. And the one we're talking about, the 2019 Supercarts USA Pro Tour Spring Nationals. This past weekend at the Utah Motorsports Campus in Erda, Utah, the track formerly known as Miller Motorsports Park. Uh, David and I trackside. We had an, uh, an outside Cooper Tire Broadcast Center for this particular edition of the, of the Pro Tour uh, we'll talk a lot about the weather, everything that happened. But as we jump in here on the EKN Radio Network, first, we want to thank you all for joining in. We uh, love that you're listening on to the EKN Radio Network, whether it's on your mobile device, your tablet, or maybe you're waiting off to listen to the downloadable podcast. Regardless, we love that you are listening into the debrief. Thank you so much. This week's show presented by the Rawlison Performance Group. At the Rawlison Performance Group, we strive for ultimate success. We're more than just an arrive-and-drive race team with countless wins in the national and regional level. Our focus is on complete driver development, and that's where the success is fueled. We combine one-on-one coaching, on-track instruction, and intensive data debriefing with unparalleled cart and engine prep. Our program will help you raise your game. We will take you to the next level. If that's your goal, RPG needs to be your next move. Well, David Cole, uh, out of the frying pan into the fire, right? We uh, we wrap things up on Sunday in in Utah for the the Scusa Spring Nationals, uh, right into the, you know, the into the plane in it, it Salt Lake City on Monday. Uh, I got home super super late. I think I think we were home right around midnight when we got back here. Um, you were close, I think, as well. And then you know, right back, right back into the office. You got the debrief script uh, written up, and away we go. I kept myself busy Monday waiting uh, for the plane and, and to take off and then on the plane as well uh, over to Detroit before hopping over to Grand Rapids. But uh, yeah, uh, it kind of blew by quickly. It was a quick uh, weekend. I mean, that's what happens when you have nine race groups and, and 12 categories going over racing over the three days. It just it just goes by really quick. There's not a lot of downtime. And and then with the rain that hit uh, Sunday after the final checkered flag, it kind of was a rush to get out of there. Yeah, we were looking at potentially doing one of our Facebook Live Q&As again, uh, but the, the sprinkles actually started kind of like during the final race. It never affected the race itself, but we were starting to get hit by some sprinkles. We were throwing some stuff on top of the laptops and the, uh, and the audio equipment because you and I were outside this weekend. We weren't able to get inside. They had the, the video marshalling system up in the uh, race control building at, uh, at Utah Motorsports Campus, so... It, it was a little different for us as well. Kind of harken back to last year at the Winter Nationals at Nola when you and I are outside doing everything. And it's it's interesting how different, what a contrast that is for us during a race weekend as well because you're dealing with the cold in the morning, you're dealing with the wind, you're dealing with the sun. Uh, I know that myself, you and Alicia, all sunburnt, windburnt, dry. It was uh, it was a challenge for sure this weekend. It, it at least gets uh, gives us the the sense of the the weather conditions of what's going on outside because sometimes you know you're you're it could be a hundred degrees but you're freezing inside the air conditioning because you never leave the uh, the scoring tower so we've had we've had inc- yeah, we've Fe- had incidences like that Phoenix 
Yeah, Phoenix, when it was 104 degrees outside and I was underneath, I'm like sitting underneath the air conditioning vent with a sweater Looking for on. hot cocoa. It was, that, <laughs> it was so cold in that, in that, in there. All right, let's, let's start the overview of uh, the Spring Nationals, the 10th edition of the race. Uh, obviously, a, you know, a milestone for Supercarts USA. This is their, their, their 10th year of this national series. And, and I, I try to reiterate that when I'm talking on, on the PA and whatever it may be, even when we did the, you know, we did the podcast with, uh, with Tom earlier this year, you think about the Supercarts USA program. I've, I've been doing this for 25 years now in this sport. I started essentially in, in 1993, 1994. And in that time, especially when I started focusing more on the U S stuff, when I joined national cart news in 97, um, this program, Dave, 10 years, and even you've seen it, 10 years, nothing's, nothing's lasted this long. The industry likes to eat on itself, and it has. There was a Supercarts USA Promoto Tour. You know, it was great. And then this inner stuff in the paddock kind of fueled the launch of the Stars of Karting series. The Stars of Karting series went for a great handful of years, had some, you know, developed some great drivers. It was, you know, had Snap on as a sponsor. Great program. Well, then. Uh, failed bar, not to say a failed buyout, then a rival series and with CKI Championship Karting International, I believe it was called. Um, it lasted, what, two years, maybe three years. It was gone. Then there was a hiatus for a while. And then Scusa picked things up again in 2010. David, you and I were there at Sonoma Raceway. The very first spring nationals, I think about 100 drivers, something like right around 100 drivers. Uh, so a milestone for sure for them to get into their 10th year and the 10th running of this race. And you're talking in terms of series, because again, there there are a number of events such as you know oh, the yeah. WK Daytona Kart Week and and, all, and obviously the Scusa Super Nationals, which is going into the 23rd edition. Now we're not talking just events; we're talking an actual race series, a racing program um, in a national. And, and I'm talking national, national level, coast to exactly because there's Co- a coast to coast too, right. because the Manufacturers Cup's been going forever. Man, right? Yeah, why. you have Manufacturers Cup has been yeah. going on for a long time. You have regionals such as Route 66, which is in two yep. year, I believe, 16. Uh, you know, awesome. and other programs just like that. I mean, even Pro Kart Challenge has been going since 2005. So that yep. essentially is one of the longer uh, programs in the country as well, too. So the the California based one that is. Uh, so yeah, to, to see a national level program series championship go this long, it's, it, it has been for a very, hasn't had that happen for a very long time. Second visit to Utah as well, David, for the Supercarts USA Pro Tour. You and I, you know, you were pulling out the information throughout the weekend about the fact that we were there in 2012 for the Summer Nationals, bringing out the fact that Matt Johnson actually, who ran X30 Master and dominated X30 Master this past weekend, was the tag senior winner back in 2012. We were going back to a lot of the guys who had won back in 2012. Not to mention Ryan Poole winning there in S4 yep. in 2012, coming back, you know, being the local guy, coming back and running the G1 category uh, this weekend. Uh, Jake Craig, uh, Austin Garrison, and uh, uh, Christian Brooks, they all won uh, Rotax National Championships there at the facility as well, too. So a number of events, you know, as you talked about stars of karting, we can even go back into there with like Gary Carlton and all those guys winning there. I didn't even go back to, to see who won uh, at Miller Motorsports Park for uh, for those programs, but I'm sure a, a handful may might have been uh, participating in that as well, too. I agree. Now, David, you and I, we go to a lot of racetracks and you'll say, man, this is such a beautiful place to be. You know, uh, Sonoma Raceway, obviously, Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center. That gorgeous look out over, you know, out over the, the valley there and over, over the water. 
this racetrack has got to be one of the most picturesque in North America with the mountains that surround, you know, Dave, the Great Salt Lake out to the north there. What it just everywhere you look is, is, is the snow capped mountains. You know, we're, we come in the first week of May. Damn, T- Terry Bobby went skiing on Monday. <laughs> he came out, the former Scusa race director came out. He lives in Salt Lake City. He came out to visit. He went skiing on Monday. On Sunday. Um, yeah. Sunday, Sunday too. You're right. What a, what a beautiful place. I think that's one of the things that uh, we were hampered with in our previous visits to uh, Salt Lake City uh, and the Utah Motorsports com- uh, Campus was the fact that we went there in the, the summertime. So in the summer months, none of the mountains that surround the facility are covered in snow. So I think I think it really highlighted, uh, you know, the, the, the crazy weather that uh, that hits the higher elevations and, and how the the, the cover the, the mountains stay stay uh, snow covered uh, for a number of months. And like you said, are still being skied on, so, which is which is crazy because it's May and we're talking about the Indy 500 coming up in a couple of weeks. So you don't <laughs> think of skiing during the month of May. Uh, so it, I think it it. It definitely, if we are ever to go back again, I think the month of May is a good time uh, to go or even April, just because of, of, as you said, the pictures that we were able to grab, like with, with on-track promotions, getting a number of them with Todd McCall and Ken Johnson. And I tried myself as well. And it's just, it's just really cool to see. And, And I think that's one, if there's one thing that everybody got out of the event was, was that was getting the pictures of the mountains in the background. Yeah, it, it's the shots that Todd and, and Ken were knocking out. And of course you did a fantastic job with your photography over the, over the weekend as well. It, that, that's one of those pictures that you're going to blow up, right? Post your size and put it in the office because that shot, you know, hammering a curb somewhere with nothing but mountains faded out in the background with the, with the snow cap, man, that's all the stuff that we saw on Facebook that, you know, obviously on track promotions was pushing it out. People that had bought the photo packages from Todd, they were pushing it out on their own social media. And every time I'm scrolling through on the way home, right on the, while we're at the at the uh, the airport, all you saw was these awesome pictures uh, with the, the mountains as, as the background. Now, David, as well, uh, you know, anytime you come in to a, a race weekend, you know, especially when it's in, in, in you know in the early parts of the year, you never sh- in the spring you never sh- sure what kind of weather you're going to get. Are we going to get some rain? Uh, how warm or how cold it is you know like i said i did amarillo last year with the texas pro car challenge it was 106 all weekend it was 85 on monday you know they had it's just you never know what's going to happen with the shifts in the weather we hit it pretty good it was super cold in the morning on saturday morning like 49 degrees but we got up to 70 we got up to 72 degrees it wasn't quite as cool in the morning on sunday 72 degrees in the afternoon for all intents and purposes blue skies all weekend a little bit of cloud other than the other than the big black clouds that came in and kind of gave us a bit of rain on Sunday when we all wrapped up, just gorgeous, just a gorgeous weekend. Well, when you say a bit of rain, it did actually thunder and lightning. Where the fact the the Scusa crew was out on the track cleaning up a lot of the stuff that that was out there, they actually called them back in because the lightning was a little bit too close to uh, to risk anybody uh, getting getting shocked. But yeah, it was not a it was not the best to clean up situations for all the teams and, and racers trying to uh, pack away everything while getting drenched with, uh, with rain. But luckily it held off until the last checkered fell because that, that, that senior race, man, I was, I was almost thinking it might've fell during, because you're, you're sitting there and you're looking at the West and you could see yep. this little patch of rain falling. Like I'm, it almost looked like it was like 10 feet wide. From where we were standing, but it, it looked like it was coming directly towards the track, but it, it eventually moved up 
north away from the track, but it was really cool to see. But it just, as the event went on and it was 25 laps, which means about a half hour long race. And you were just thinking like maybe the last 10 minutes are going to be in rain. One thing for sure is I'm not sure how many promoters are going to want you to come to the racetrack anymore, David, because I believe as you put in your notes here, you are now six for six for rain in 2019. I will preface that the Tucson (laughs) one was just like a, a sprinkle, like a quick dusting, nothing serious. Rain is rain, David. But you were the rainmaker. It was precipitation that fell from the ground or fell from the <laughs> sky down to the ground. So it counts. For the sixth straight weekend. What's wrong yes. with you? Wow. Uh, I don't think it rained in Daytona. So I, I ended 2018 strong. All right. But you've come uh, out of the box wet. But yeah, it, it's just like my jumper, yo. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> Uh, let's look at the numbers as we always do here in the overview. And again, we welcome you all to the EKN Debrief, episode number 48. It's May 7th. David and I uh, back in the office. Actually, Dave's got an extended run in the office. His next race, not until now, the USPKS event in June. Uh, me, on the other hand, I'm I'm on the road tomorrow. I head down to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Road to Indy and IndyCar races, the Grand Prix weekend. Back home for four days. I've got four podcasts already lined up for next week for the EKN Radio Network. And then back down to Indianapolis for 10 days for the uh, the qualifying weekend for the Indy 500. And, of course, the Road to Indy events, the Freedom 100, the races at Lucas Oil Raceway for USF 2000 and, and Indy Pro 2000. And then, of course, again, uh, fortunate to be part of the IndyCar Radio Network for uh, as a pit lane reporter for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, David, let's look at some numbers. Um, you know, 185. Uh, entries, the lowest we've had uh, uh, since the first time under the 200 entry mark since the 2015 Spring Nationals in Phoenix. Uh, a drop of really just 20 drivers overall. We were 205 drivers at the Winter Nationals um, at Cal Speed, 185 this particular weekend. And in looking at the numbers, you know, Micro Swift actually up four from, thir- from nine up to 13. Mini Swift down two. Uh, KO 100 down one. K100 Senior was the same. Uh, X30 Junior down four. Uh, the Masters the same. Uh, we had an X30 Master eight, X30 Super Master four. Uh, the same three drivers coming for S4 uh, Master Stock Honda. We had one extra driver, Ryan Poole, for the G1 Gladiator class. Pro Shifter actually down five. That was probably one of the bigger ones. That and X30 Senior. Pro Shifter down five. They had 13 drivers in Cal Speed, more of the local guys. Um, and of course, no local racing really now to pull on in Utah because the Utah Kart Championship not actually running now at the facility. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on, Dave. You can bring that up later. Um, Pro Shifter 1 and Pro Shifter 2. It's actually the Pro Shifter 2 drivers that were down 5. Pardon me, the the, the semi-pro drivers. Down just 1 in Pro Shifter. But then it was, it was X30 Senior, David. They had 48 at Cal Speed and 36. Uh, for this particular race. Still a great field of 36 drivers, but down eight. That was the big one. Overall, you can 12. see. Down 12, yeah. <laughs> What's that? Down, oh, do your darn, math. No, pardon me. Do it down 12. Down 12. <laughs> You're right. No, sorry. It's yeah, okay. down, down 12. That's the big one, right? Yeah, that's the, because, uh, yeah, I was just going to get into that. That's the big one because yeah. we had some other classes cancel each other out. Now it was really the the big one. And, and again, still, you're going from 48 to 36 which essentially isn't it that big of a drop off. So as you said, the 20, the down 20 isn't, isn't a lot uh, when you look at it big picture, because typically that's what you get from going from more on one and two to three and four uh, is a little bit of a drop off. But I, you know, 
it, it, again, overall numbers, it all boils down to shifters. Uh, when you're looking at, um, yeah. you know, eight in one race group and 18 in the other, when compared to having that in one race group uh, a couple of years ago. So that's, that's essentially where, where you're missing numbers. And, and again, everything else is staying about equal. So. And again, let's and we we talked to a lot of people about, about it, David, in the paddock about what the reasons were. Obviously, there, you, we could have a whole show on what's going on with gearbox racing within the Supercarts USA program, and even nationally, in terms of of where there are numbers, where there aren't numbers, what's kind of growing, what's not. Scoos is committed to the 175 drivers who race it, love it. So I I think you see that growing. I saw that uh, Jordan Mustard posted something. Uh, on Facebook about, uh, you know, just kind of overview of his weekend. It was a great challenge. We'll, when we get into the race report, we'll talk about how he was challenged by both Ryan Poole and John Crow aggressively this weekend. He made a mention that he expects to see double double the numbers for the Summer Nationals. So I think he's obviously talking to some people. Maybe we're going to see 10-plus in the G1 Gladiator class. This 175 is going to continue to grow. More drivers bring more numbers, more engines out there. It, it will continue to grow. Um, but I think, yeah, and I think you'll see a lot of. I think the the, the summer nats are actually going to be our biggest event of the agreed. year when yeah. it when it comes to the Scusa Pro Tour. You have a number of competitors who are just not coming from the east and going out west to Cal Speed and Utah. Uh, so that factors a lot into the overall numbers and in those categories that are going to be elevated are probably the K 100 categories, which are brand new to the pro tour program. Also the X 30 divisions as well. But even, even in the shifter categories, there's a number of Midwest drivers now with the great lakes pro cart challenge going on that uh, are focused on that regional and are and are going to end it all with the summer Nats, um, you know, to, I believe the weekend after their finale. So, uh, I will. I wouldn't be surprised to see Pro Shifter be at its highest, and and even Pro Shifter Two probably be at its highest uh, come some, uh, summer nets. I think. I think you're you're bang on with that. One of the other things, David, we talked about with a number of the people in the paddock guys in the industry was the simple fact that here we are, you know, just starting the fifth month of the year, and a lot of the people that are, you know, customers of Supercarts USA or customers of national level racing, top level racing, these guys have these guys have been raced out. For the first five, you know, for the first five months, right? There's the the, the two Scusa races in the winter, January, February, March was the was the Winter Nationals, uh, regional starting up in Texas and California and Great Lakes uh, in April, you know, late March and April. Just a lot of racing going on, and some a lot of these drivers run different programs as well. Whether it's running in the Rock program or going to a Rotax deal or whatever they whatever else they may do, F Series, USPKS, WKA. So much racing going on over the first five months. When you look forward now to the summer Nats, remember there's a two month gap between winter Nats and spring Nats, you know, the first weekend of March, first weekend of May. Now we have a three month run to the, to the summer nationals, even though we're kind of getting into the meat of the summer racing, a lot of the people that run nationally can kind of take a deep breath if they want, because if they're chasing the Scusa series, they got three months to the next one, and then of course at that point, then we have another three months to the to the uh, to the Super Nationals in November. They can pick and choose what they want to do, but if you're a Scusa racer, you can take a deep breath and maybe run some regionals, run whatever else you want to run. But now we have a gap where they're they're going to be able to kind of take a deep breath and and come back for the summer nets. Yeah, there's no off season anymore, Rob, and that's <laughs> that's kind of the the. It's a great thing, but it's it's also has its uh, its cons to it as well too. Yeah. And I think you know 
now that we're leading up to Memorial Weekend, it's now time for a lot of people to to kind of sit back, relax, take a take a break from racing, uh, or just recharge and and get ready for uh, the summer months. And as you said, you have a three month uh, period now until the summer nationals for for a lot of these. And there's going to be a lot of people uh, in contention for championships, so uh, a lot of time to prepare for that. Folks, you're listening to the EKN Debrief, episode number 48. David Cole and I uh, reviewing the 2019 Supercarts USA Spring Nationals. We were at the Utah Motorsports Campus this past weekend. Stick with us. When we come back after this break, we're going to jump into the paddock pass. David's got a bunch of information to uh, to give to you that we kind of got while we were working around the paddock. Not race report stuff, but more uh, stuff within the industry and within the community. Stay with us. More to come. Episode number 48 of the EKN Debrief. Top level production with a focus on a single form of motorsport, karting. This is MG Tires. MG Tires USA, underneath the Vantage Karting Group banner, is the official distributor of the MG Tires brand for the United States. MG Tires are used as the official spec tire in the United States Pro Kart Series, the Route 66 Sprint Series, the Sunshine State Karting Challenge, and countless clubs across the country. No matter your compound preference, MG Tires USA has you covered. Whether it's the medium HCI Red, the soft FC Yellow, or the super soft Green YZ, MG Tires USA has your winning set of rubber in stock. For more info about MG Tires USA and its extensive list of dealers near you, check out their website at mgtiresusa.com. MG Tires, for the drivers. Hey racers, this is Rob Howden, and I'm super excited to be back with the Texas Pro Kart Challenge family this year. Gina and Mark French put together a perfect three-weekend series after listening to the racers, and with the season opener in Denton behind us, it's time to head to the incredible track in Amarillo in July. Then, we'll cap it all off again at the jewel of Houston karting, Speed Sports Racing Park, in mid-September. Get the final two Texas PKC dates on your personal calendar, and I'll see you there. We're back racing on July 19th, 2021 at the Amarillo Kart Circuit. This track is a scale version of the F1 circuit in Istanbul, Turkey, and the drivers love it. It's certainly a venue to add to your bucket list. It's two full days of racing for Mini and Micro Swift, Briggs 206 Senior and Masters, K100 Junior and Senior, X30 Junior, Senior, and Master, Stock Honda Senior and Master, and Pro Shifter. They're also adding a local option class for Briggs 206 Junior. Stay tuned for more exciting news. Come join the French's and I in West Texas in July. We're going to be racing, grilling, and enjoying the awesome Texas Pro Car Challenge community. Welcome back to the debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name is Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. As we break down the Spring Nationals, 10th running of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Spring Nats at Utah Motorsports Campus. Jumping now into the Paddock Pass, today presented by Acceleration Kart Racing. Acceleration Kart Racing has everything you need to go racing, from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and kart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get you the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. 
All right, David, let's jump into this. Uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about. A little bit on track. Lot, uh, a lot of overview of the of the weekend and what you saw. Let's kick things off with the paddock pass. Well, I think we can start with kind of the news going into the event and something that we saw and, and kind of followed throughout the weekend were debuts for drivers with new homes. Um, one of the big stories was obviously the release of A.J. Myers leaving Croc Promotion USA and Mad Old Nut Racing. He found a new home at CRG and actually raced both Pro Shifter 1 and X30 Senior uh, throughout the weekend in, in, at his new home with CRG Nordam. On the flip side, Jake French came back uh, from uh, being on the sidelines and back into the driver's seat, taking over Meyer's role uh, at Croc Promotion USA, racing both Pro Shifter 1 and X30 Senior. So that was kind of interesting to see. And it seemed like they never really got away from each other in both categories. They always <laughs> no. seem to be right next to each other in both. That's true. That's true. Uh, additional drivers, obviously, uh, that we thought was interesting. Braden Eves, who's the current point leader in the Road to Indy, Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship with Cape Motorsports. He was announced that he was going to be running with Crosslink Competition for the remainder of the uh, the Scusa Pro Tour. Uh, Braden did a, did a strong job, was in the top 10, just outside the top 10 for uh, a majority of the weekend. And also, you know, David, some some pretty ma- pretty major news. You were able to put a, a story together about Brandon Jarsakrak as well, move for for money. Yeah, money moved, uh, to departed, departed ways with Kart Sport North America. Uh, and decided to go back home to Mike Doty Racing, where he first began uh, racing nationally with uh, with Mike Doty and along with uh, his father, Eddie. Uh, so they kind of went back home with Mike uh, and had a, a pretty solid performance on the weekend, but uh, still kind of up in the air on what they're going to do uh, the kind of the rest of the season. They still still are kind of juggling some ideas and, and opportunities that uh, may may come up uh, in the in the future. You know, David, in the overview, we talked about uh, how beautiful the facility is. And, and you know, it's it's been a long time, seven years since we were last there with the Scusa Summer Nationals. I, I think you had pointed out that uh, a number of our mini and micro drivers were, were like one or two or three or four years old when we were here last. Uh, a lot of people got their first opportunity to come to this racetrack, the Utah Motorsports Campus. And it's a gorgeous facility. The track is fantastic. Uh, Alan Wilson designed it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of all of Alan Wilson's designs. This one here, I really, really like. I think it's, I think it's a solid racetrack. But the compliments, the feedback was was just all positive. Very positive. Uh, not only the atmosphere of of the mountains surrounding the facility, but as you said, the track itself and 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 the facility being an actual motorsports facility. You know, with real bathrooms, actual garages, and and plenty of paddock space. The you know, obviously the one downfall was making everybody park outside. Uh, so they had to make the long walk or, or shuttle uh, into the karting paddock, but it was just kind of the way that uh, they they uh, operated things. And so that was kind of maybe the one downside to it. But uh, the other downside to it is the, this could be the second to last karting event that they actually have at the uh, Utah Motorsports Campus. Uh, it, it, yeah, we're, we're hearing that they, that they have a, a kind of more of a focus on just leveraging the track as, as a concession track, right? Essentially a rental uh, you know, parties, uh, whatever it may be, kind of kind of deal. And uh, you know, we know that there's another event coming up that you can talk about in a second here in in a couple of weeks. But uh, other than, after that, we're not really sure what's going on. Yeah, the, the Utah Kart Championship really called the was was home or called the Utah Motorsports Campus home, and have been there 
essentially since the facility opened. It was uh, used to race at Black Rock Raceway, which used to be built uh, where the major car track is now. Um, and that was demolished for the Miller Motorsports Park to be constructed. Um, and the karting track was built on the north side of the facility. And so the Utah Kart Championship, it's been a couple other names since then, but now named as the Utah Kart Championship. It's been there since then. And, you know, now the facility is under new management and new ownership. And and they, as you said, have kind of looked at uh, seeing competition karting as a way of losing money. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, obviously we don't agree with that. And, and a lot of the Utah racers are up in arms about it. And as I would be too, if it was my home track and, uh, indeed the, we're, you know, we're learning that there's different opportunities that may arouse, uh, for, for this program and, you know, temporary circuit may be, may be utilized, uh, throughout the season, uh, for 2019, and then maybe uh, a new facility might be built uh, in the very near future. Yeah, again, there, you know, there there was a uh, there was a need for a, a track, as you had said, in Utah, and everybody got together and built Black Rock Raceway, and uh, then of course that got taken over for Miller. But away we go. You know, like the one thing about the the racers in Utah is that they are very passionate about what they do. You know, obviously M squared karting is there with Bonner Moulton and Mike Beanie. These guys love this sport. They live it. Uh, you know, Bonner Moulton has been to every super nationals. This is a guy that's, uh, that loves it. And Mike's the same way. And Hey, that's what they do, right? They're a kart shop. So what do we got to do? Let's, let's rally the, uh, the guys in, in our program that have some cash to help put this together and let's build another racetrack. So uh, look for a rebirth, I think, right in, in Utah, something different. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be keeping tabs with them and and seeing uh, what what type of news comes out of uh, the Salt Lake area for for a possible new uh, karting track. Well, and add the note that the fact that Bonner Moulton's been involved in designing the last couple of uh, Scusa Super Nationals racetracks, the guy's now a, a, essentially a veteran kart track designer. So well, I believe he helped with the Black Rock I'm sure layout yeah. as well too. So yeah. yeah. Uh, David, one of the things we don't hear a lot about, we, we don't mention tire conservation a lot. You know, when I'm announcing races and when you're writing race reports, we don't talk a lot about people having to conserve tires. And we got that that input very early during the happy hour practice, the final round of, of practice on Friday when we, when we got Jordan Musser to come up and chat with us. And he talked about the fact that he thought some of the success that you were going to have was whether, you know, how you kind of took care of your equipment, your tires, everything uh, throughout the day. You know, you get the one set of tires for the day and you can't punish them hard in the pre-final and expect to be there at the end of the main events. And we'll talk more about some guys that, that battled with that and maybe didn't battle with that. But that was interesting. I, I thought that the fact that, you know, guys were going to have to really kind of take care of the equipment so they could be in the middle of a fight come uh, main event time. Well, I think there's kind of a couple parts to that one being the long laps. I love I love these long lap races. Uh, twenty, I think it was twenty five laps for the X thirty senior. Twenty laps for all the other categories, and a little bit shorter for micro. But not to mention the pre finals being uh, twelve or fifteen laps as well, too. So uh, the, the long laps certainly helps. Not only you need to conserve tires, you need to conserve yourself and and the engine as well, too. But uh, but also really the the track is what I think. Um, is what uh, kind of was the the proponent to tire conservation because the, there's not racing going on at this track, so there's not rubber being laid down. It's it's basically a green racetrack. 
anytime we go to a facility, it's interesting because, you know, I, people, we don't talk a lot. We haven't done any, any real, you know, delving in deep about the way tracks are built. But, you know, some places you'll go to, depending on the aggregate they use, how fine the aggregate is, you're going to have a track that's not as porous as maybe another track that used a, uh, you know, a, a larger aggregate. So it's, more aggregate gives you grip. If it's less, sometimes your, your tires aren't able to grab. We've seen that uh, in car racing. We see it in kart racing. Once you get that rubber down, though, you start filling, you can start to a certain extent filling it in, right? And this track hasn't been used as much as it has in the past. There was a lot of testing going on coming into this event, David, but you're right. It's, we came in on a track that was essentially green. It hasn't been uh, driven and, and run in aggressively, in a, you know, a year and a bit, right? I don't even know how much the Utah Kart Championship was on it last year. They didn't, they, they don't have fields of 150. So, you know, it just wasn't as used as you said. And, and with the wind and with the winter in Utah, that changes things on the racetrack as well. Well, not let's not forget salt. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. dust and, and and particles that are getting blown around and and all throughout the year and snow. You know, it's it's actual. You know, it's a cold area during the winter months as well too. So, but I think you know this the the surface being I think the original since 2006. So it's it's been there a long time and it kind of reminds me of Shano, uh, the U S air motorsports, uh, raceway up in, in Wisconsin. That's another facility that even though it's run on a lot, it was very hard on tires and and would, you know, it wasn't, it was, it would rubber up, but it was still dropping the tires down to, you know, nothing when it comes to, uh, the, uh, the little nipple or divot in the tire. Interesting because that certainly uh, played to part of the storyline on the weekend. Another one of the storylines was, and coming in, you know, at this level, we, we always hear David rumors about people thinking this guy's cheating or this guy's cheating. We know we had the issues at the Supernats a couple of years ago in the Mini Swift class that uh, that uh, changed things in a big way. Uh, Supercarts USA getting really aggressive. You know, Tom, I talked to Tom Kutcher and Lynn Haddock uh, at the end of the day on Saturday and at the end of the day on Sunday. And, and they let me know that they, that they are getting very proactive. Uh, you saw some pictures. If anybody looked at social media uh, on Saturday, they all five motors, if you were in the top five in any of the categories, your motors were coming down to the crank, right? And they, they, they ripped those motors down. They pulled them all apart, looked at everything. I, I, you know, you heard some input from some of the engine builders and the teams like, what you want me to do what on a Saturday? There were a lot of engine builders that had some late nights on Saturday putting engines back together, but but Scusa's trying to clear up that that uh, you know that feeling or that perception, the optics that people are potentially cheating. They go essentially almost almost even one better on Sunday, and I confer I just confirmed this with Tom Cutcher. They're they're packing up and they just got on the road out there. I, I asked I sent him a text. He got back to me. They claimed. Uh, they claimed all five of the winning IAMI motors, the single speed motors on Sunday. So one of the things about the claim rule is that, you know, anybody can claim uh, any engine, right? You can claim a guy's engine. If you think it's better, you can claim that engine for X amount of dollars and it gives him enough to buy a brand new one and get it prepped. Scusa also has the caveat in their rules that they're also able to claim engines if they essentially want, if they think it, if they think or the perception or the optics are that an engine potentially is better than an, all the other engines, they have the ability to claim an engine themselves and provide a new engine to that, to that driver, to that, that, that team. They claimed the mini, the micro, the junior, the senior, and the master engines, the two Swifts and the X thirties. They claimed all five winners from Sunday, took those motors out of circulation. 
replace them. Those guys are all going to get brand new power plants, but now Scusa has those engines that they will keep. And I think, again, the, the concept is to let people know that they're being proactive and that some of these engines, the ones that won, that people, you know, that David, one of the things about the sport right now is that when you have a claim rule like that, we got some rich dads and rich parents that, you know, they're going to drop cash down. They're, they're, they're grabbing everybody's motors, right? Well, it's, I, I think right? the, the, the more, the more, the one thing I, I think is great was the Saturday move was, was tearing everybody down. It's boom. Yes. On a Saturday, this is, this is a pro tour. This isn't your club race. This isn't, you know, Hey, we're going to mark it with, with nail polish and, and you can go carry on your business. No. And, and I think it's a little bit more, um, uh, respectable that some of these guys came back with an engine in pieces on Saturday and still came back putting that engine back together and winning again on Sunday, such as Norberg and, and Johnson and uh, yeah. Iliff and micro. So, so again, you know, th- that kind of goes to say, Hey, you know, there's no, there's no magician here. There, there's no magic ma- match, perfect special stagger, whatever you want to call this, this, <laughs> this voodoo that's going on with that people assume with engines. No, it's, it's good drivers with good equipment that are able to do what they need to do to win. And I, I, you know, again, yes, we had the issues that we had at, at Super Nats a couple, a couple years ago. And, and yes, there, there probably are some things that people are able to find to get maybe a little bit out of these engines, but there's nothing that's like it was in the old days where guys were getting a full second on a field uh, type situation. We're not getting that. We're getting, we're talking about tents. And as, yeah. as we, we keep saying in the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy uh, commercial, you know, it's not, it's not the equipment, it's you get, get a couple tents out of you. And I think that's where we're seeing, you know, the good drivers stand out. Especially David at a 18 turn track, like Utah Motorsports campus. If you are, uh, you know, if you are a, a half a 10th off, you know, five hundredths of a second off in every corner, it ends up being nine tenths of a second. Yeah. Right. Like it's, that's, it's a, almost a full second off the pace. If you're, a, if you're five hundredths off in every yeah. corner. So, you know what I mean? Like just work on the driver, as you said, but for me in, in just stepping back and looking at it, an aggressive, but positive uh, approach by Supercarts USA to kind of try to quell some of the rumors and to show that they are, uh, you know, that they are focused and dedicated to making sure nobody's cheating, which I like. I, I, we all want a level playing field. You know, we're on the one engine right now. It's not back to the days of tag. Where is the track going to be better for the Vortex? Is it going to be better for the Moturi? Is it going to be better for the Rotax or the, the Leopard back in the day? Uh, no. Now it's, you know, it's one engine. They've got a level playing field. If they start, if they continue to do what they're doing right now and really focusing on some aggressive tech post-race, I think it's going to it's gonna make a lot of people uh, more comfortable in the investment that, that they've made. And they need to continue it. Uh, summer Nats, I think every every engine needs to be in a box again Saturday as well, too. It, you know, all the engine builders are there, so there, there should be no issues with that. Parts are readily available with IAMI USA right there, trackside, all weekend long. So I, I think that's definitely something that needs to continue because, again, this is pro level. This is, this is the top of North America, top level racing of North America. Agreed. A lot of money getting spent, so let's make sure we do it correctly. Dave, let's cap off this edition of the Paddock Pass, of course, presented by Acceleration Kart Racing here today. You've got some notes on it's a difficult weekend for some of the championship leaders. Some of them had good weekends. Some struggled. Other guys that had trouble at Winter Nats were able to step up. But talk a little bit about uh, some of the 
uh, championship leaders who didn't have really the weekends they probably would have liked to have had. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to look before we got into the race report was just kind of talk about, you know, how it's it's going to be a pretty exciting championship coming down to the wire because a lot of the guys who came out as the championship leaders after the winter nationals didn't necessarily have amazing weekends at the spring nationals, which we, we kind of see guys can are able to win the championship in the first two weekends. So it's, it's going to set it up. I think Bedo, so Bedojo, Musser and Harrelson were the only, were the only three drivers who won at Cal speed or came out as the championship leader uh, were able to win in, in Utah. Um, and really only two or three others that were able to land on the podium. So again, a, a, a very interesting transition to go from Cal speed to Utah where again, as we talked about earlier, a lot, a lot of drivers have been. And so they either just weren't able to find the right setups or, or just didn't have the, the weekend that they hoped for. Um, you know, one of them being Christian Brooks in X 30 senior, he came in essentially taking over the championship lead with Joshua Carr, not being there in Utah as he had to go back to Australia, make sure his visa and passports were, uh, ready to go for the rest of the season here in his F4 championship hunt. Uh, so Brooks had a best finish at 10th, which in a field of 36, you might say, well, that's a good finish. But when it comes to championship time, uh, that's not, that's not going to get you titles. Uh, other guys that had some trouble. You're right. Uh, Brandon Tyner uh, for all some performance group and X30 junior. He was a point leader coming in. He was a ninth on Saturday, improved to a fifth on Sunday. Again, not the worst results in a big field of drivers in the, uh, you know, the X30 junior class, 39 in total, but not what you needed to take, you know, firm control of it. Same thing with Nick Persing uh, in KA100 uh, senior, sixth and 10th. Uh, trouble for Sebastian NG. He got a DQ on Saturday, came back to a fourth. Uh, there were just some drivers, you know, another one, um, you know, Derek Wang ended up third and fourth on the podium, but then lost the podium and Vachi Tatiki and got him. He's third and fourth after coming out with the point lead. And Matt Johnson turns it around. He sweeps the weekend. So what this kind of has done, difficult for some of the championship leaders, others stepping up. It's really just tightened everything back up again as, as we head to the summer nets. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of what I was leading towards when, when we talk about that. And, and I think that's going to make a uh, Newcastle weekend, very exciting in terms of, of championship battles uh, going on throughout the weekend. Folks, you're listening to episode number 48 of the EKN debrief. David Cole and I reviewing the most recent Supercar USA pro tour event, the spring nationals, which took place at Utah motorsports campus this past weekend. We get back after this quick break. Now it's time to start breaking things down. We're going to go into the race report and go class by class. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the Mini categories, to the Heron for Tag Race, the Road Rebel for Gearbox Competition, and the new FS4 which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. 
CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Joining the Rawls and Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, super nationals winners, and former Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. Rawls Performance Group is setting a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in the IAMI X30 categories. We have the largest trackside OTK inventory, providing parts to racers and teams at all the major events in North America. RPG can also offer multilingual support, as we have French and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawlison Performance Group. We race to win. Welcome back to the ECAN Radio Network, our 48th edition of the EKN Debrief. David Cole, myself, Rob Howden, uh, reviewing the most recent event on the Scusa Pro Tour, the Spring Nationals, headed Utah this past weekend as we jump into the race report, today presented by Trinity Karting Group. Trinity Karting Group is your first step on the ladder to racing success. Based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, they literally have a track in their backyard and a controlled environment to help you develop your skills. Trinity Karting Group flattens out the steep learning curve with a professional staff that will put you on the right path. The focus is driver development, and they complete at the local, regional, and national levels. They have a new and used packages available, and they are your Midwest source for Tony Karts and OTK parts, as well as IAMI engines. Visit them at teamtkg.com or call 513-421-4463. All right, David, the race report presented by Trinity Karting Group. Uh, let's jump in and start with X30 Senior. In the, the front, Ryan Norberg was the man, but just good racing all the way through. We saw some really aggressive racing, a lot of passes, but not so much up front. No, not so much up front. Uh, really, at all on Saturday, as Ryan Norberg no. basically swept uh, the day going wire to wire on the day, never relinquishing the uh, the top spot. Uh, Brandon Jarzakrak was really the uh, the top challenger throughout the day. Uh, started second in the main event uh, after finishing second in the prefinal. Fell back to fourth, but Norberg was got away quickly and early. Uh, Jarzakrak got himself back up to second with uh, Trey Brown also uh, earning a podium finish. Uh, on the weekend. Really good uh, run for, for Colin Neal as well, who joined Rawlison performance group earlier this year, had a, a strong, solid finish uh, P four for him his best pro tour finish. But David P two was not the place you wanted to start main events in the, in the rolling start classes here uh, at, at the, at the spring nationals. I know you, you had joked with, uh, with Brandon where he was going to end up after that first lap, because starting on the outside, going into turn one was not great. No, we kind of had a wager. I said fifth, but uh, he was able to to keep it in a fourth, which uh, you know again wasn't wasn't the best outcome that obviously he wanted to. But you know everybody knew it going into the weekend that that turn one with a double apex there. It's a very uh, challenging uh, section of the racetrack, especially at the start. 
you know, some drivers were able to, to hold at least maybe one position, maybe two, uh, as Brandon did. But uh, sometimes it was even more difficult, uh, as Brandon found out on Sunday. So first and foremost, Saturday, a very important recovery, kind of a comeback weekend for, for Ryan Norberg. Um, got to mention that this guy's a three-time defending Scusa Pro Tour champion. He's won the last three years in a row. He's a perennial front runner, and he doesn't do it with like sweeping the wins, does he? It's it's all this. It's consistent results, taking this package and and whatever it whatever it can do, he's going to try to maximize it. This particular weekend, though, David, out of the box strong, all three hundred and twenty points on Saturday uh, qualifies on pole. That's ten points. Wins the pre-final. That's a hundred. Wins the main event. That's two hundred with the fast lap, another 10. So 320 points. You wonder whether or not he could keep that momentum going into, into Sunday, David. And, and, and he did qualified on pole again with a late run, won the pre-final, won the main event, just a stellar weekend for, for Norberg just did, didn't get it perfect. Cause he didn't get the fast lap right to the very end. It was Emma Delatra. She had the fast lap of the race. And I think Jarsa crack stole it away, uh, late in the going, uh, but the bottom line is, what, what was that? Six hundred and thirty points on the docket on on the board for uh, for Norberg coming out of uh, out of Utah. What a weekend! And it's actually the first time I'm looking this up right now. I forgot to look this up earlier that he's won twice in in a Scusa Pro Tour season. Uh, I was thinking yeah, about the, that. The first year he yeah. won. I'm I'm, I'm going to go back into that, but. Uh, but last year, yeah, he won only once, and that was at the Spring Nationals. And then in 2017, he only won once, and that was at the Spring Nationals as well. So let me go and find 2016. You, you, you go find. I'll talk a little more about the race. So Thomas Naveau took the lead early in the, in the prefinal. Thomas running for PSL Karting on the Barrella Art, a former Super Nats winner uh, in, I think, the Mini Swift class, um, or Tag Cadet. Uh, Thomas, was he was strong all weekend. Uh, he took the lead in the prefinal, as we said. But Norberg came through, was able to grab it. And then he goes wire to wire in the final. Uh, the battle behind was pretty exciting to watch. Uh, Jarsa Crack again, starting second, fell back to, to 11th. He scrapped his way back up. And as I said, got the fast lap of the race, ended up P4. Completing the podium behind Ryan Norberg, Jake Craig had his best run of the weekend. He was able to, to, to continually push forward. At one point, it was a Rawlison 1-2 because Norberg was leading. And Hannah Greenmeyer... Uh, the young lady for, for RPG who's uh, developed so quickly over the last number of years was good. She was very strong. Craig just able to get by, but Hannah holding on for her first career podium in the pro tour program. So great job for Hannah coming home P3, but David, give us, give us the wrap on Norberg. It's amazing. Like you're saying a couple of wins here at, at the, at the spring Nats, but, but indeed never a double. Well, yeah, 2018, 2017, he had one victory on the season. But yes, in 2016, he won three of the four. But again, that was when the the Supernats was the finale. So he essentially yep. had the title in hand going into the Supernats and, and I think ended up finishing outside the top, obviously outside the top five, never, not landing on the podium in his first uh, actual Supernats that year. But uh, yeah, won, won the Spring Nats round one and then doubled up at the new Newcastle for the Summer Nats. So folks, uh, just the, the bottom line is just a great run for Ryan Norberg. He gets himself back into the championship fight. Maybe not even just back in. Maybe, hey, you know what? I got a hold of this thing right now going to the Summer Nationals. And that's the key. Going to the Summer Nats, you want to get yourself into a place where you can say, okay, you know what? This is what I got. 
I think it's a ninth, was a ninth place finish after the penalty in round two at the Winter Nationals. That's a decent drop still for Ryan Norberg. He has put himself back into a pretty good position to potentially, David, take a shot at his unprecedented fourth straight championship. All right, Dave, let's jump into the, uh, the, the pro shifter category because um, we had the pro shifter one, pro shifter two, ended up with 18 drivers in total on the racetrack. Uh, pro shifter one, 10 drivers, pro shifter two, eight. Uh, put them together in a solid 18 car field with just tremendous drivers. Um, what I kind of liked coming in, my thought was, what, what are we going to see at a national one and national two at CRG Nordam, right? You've got Kyle Wick, who's been on the CRG for the last couple of years, has worked with CRG Nordam. You got the incoming national number one, AJ Myers, your reigning champion. He's going to run his first national race for the team. What's, what's the atmosphere going to be like, you know, between the two of them? Wick obviously came out and said, you know what? I'm going to try to take control of this team. I've been with these guys, and he qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final, but just not able to get off the, off the line. Well, I was gutted for him when I saw him fall down the order. I think the 10th, I think, at the start of the main event. Well, I think he, by watching the video of, of that yeah. start, he was lucky to not uh, stall it. Uh, he, he kept it going, and luckily enough, only fell down to 10th because if he would have stalled it, he would have had the S2 guys coming to the from the back to the front and then had to go through all those guys. So essentially he fell to the tail of the S of the pro shifter one field. Uh, but again, just methodically worked his way forward uh, after that, that uh, mishap. But again, another mishap uh, for Billy Musgrave who inherited the lead uh, after wick was able, unable to get off the line and Musgrave had an issue with his brake system and went off in turn one while leading the race. Uh, as, as he goes off, as, as you said, with the brake issue, Matias Ramirez, who was putting a ton of pressure on him, able to slip through the PSL karting. Um, Burrell Art Driver, you know, David, you had mentioned that I think the last time he had won a Scusa race, a Scusa National, was a Super Hats in 2019 in S2 when he was essentially making his debut in the shifter kart category. 2016, yeah. He's, 2016, pardon me. He stepped up, though, David, and, and put on a show. He was able to essentially run away with it, not not just win, but he ran away with it. A.J. Myers ran second, and I think this is where the excitement happened because once Wick went back, we, know, we knew we had the pace. Well, he just, as you said, methodically worked his way forward, was digging in, was digging in. Eventually was having some trouble. The engine started overheating a little bit once he had got to uh, to Myers. So that he thinks that probably hampered him a little bit and potentially able to catch and make that move. Although he did try he did try late on the final lap. But in the end, Ramirez with the win, Myers second and Wick in third. Still a pretty good run for both of the CRG drivers in second and third. Jake French uh, was right, kind of right there in the top five, fifth and sixth for, for all the, the whole race. I don't think they were happy with I think they might have changed the engine. I know that Mark French told me that they were, uh, they're kind of working on you know, trying some different chassis designs for Croc promotion as well. And he ends up with the fast lap of the race. I think he finished fifth, um, but still a good debut for Jake French move over to Sunday. And AJ Myers stepped up David and qualifying at the end of that run and, and really kind of put his stamp on, on what I thought would have happened for the rest of the weekend, the rest of the day. It didn't, but in qualifying, Myers was quick. Well, both CRGs were quick as Myers was able to score the fastest and Wick was right there in second. So it was an all CRG front row for the pre-final, but it ended up being Wick scoring the win in the pre-final as he was able to get the whole shot and get out front uh, right away as, as really, it was a really close field uh, throughout that pre-final setting up for what we, we thought was going to be an interesting final. 
And it was uh, Kyle Wick again, not getting off the line. Well, uh, Andrew Bedozo on the crock promotion, able to get the whole shot. Uh, but uh, talk a little bit about how that race kind of, kind of unfolded because it was, it was, I find it pretty interesting. It was some great stuff later on, but the, the early couple laps are kind of exciting. Very exciting. Uh, Bedozo was, as you said, grabbed the whole shot, but got shuffled back to fourth uh, through that. I believe what was turns 11 and 12, and those two combinations there as, as Ramirez and, and I believe it was both Myers and, and possibly uh wick that were able to get by him. Yeah. Uh, and the, but it was aggressive, but yeah, like I said, that, that, that turn 11 to 12 gets, as you said, defensive moves and, and, you know, it's a tight corner for the shifters. So it's finding the right, you know, right gear uh, setting and all that stuff. But, but, you know, Andrew put his head down and, and fought his way quickly back into the lead. You know, getting by Ramirez, and then those two kind of checked out as as a battle for third really heated up and was was kind of the focal point as 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 Bedozo and Ramirez kind of just drafted away and got away from it, all the chaos behind them. Yeah, but before we jump into that chaos and we'll do that, I, I do want to say I think for Bedozo, you know, his win of course in the wet, uh, very impressive. You know, in the opening round of of the series at, at Cal Speed at the Winter Nationals. But, you know, when you win in the wet, it's, wow, fantastic. You know, you're really solid. You're really good in the wet. Congratulations. But everybody, you know, people want to be fast in the dry, right? They want to win that that dry race, that outright speed. And I think this was just such a great um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's it, it was – I think it was vindication for uh, for Bedozo to say, you know what, I, I'm here to run for the championship. This guy's a championship leader leading the spring Nats, going to the summer Nats. And, you know, obviously joined the, the Croc promotion team, Matt Old Nut Racing, uh, for the Winter Series this year and, and has been with the squad, won there, wins again in the dry. I just think uh, what an exclamation point on the weekend for Bedozo and for, and for Matt Old Nut Racing and, and Croc promotion. They're really trying to promote this brand. You know, the, I believe I saw online that, that Andrew's cart's for sale. So, like, you know, it's the winning chassis is for sale if you want, if you want to get behind something that works. So uh, Bedozo, as you said, with the win and, and Ramirez, finished in, in second but the fight at the end was wild because now a couple of interesting storylines you know Kyle Wicket ends up getting himself to third but the uh, to third on track but the driver on the move that we were watching was Joey Wimsett now David you can give some more insight because he sat out the pre-final which probably helped him eat, you know with the tires and tire conservation for the main event it, it did but really to be honest we didn't even know he was going to start the final and, and talking no, to his sister Nicole she didn't even know. She saw him with a suit on and was like, what the hell is going on? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to give it a go. If it does, if it hurts too much, I'll pull off. And what happened? Tell, he, he hurt his ribs. So right? essentially I walked by as, as the pre-final was going on and he's standing on the fence and I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, I busted my rib. It just hurts too much. So I figured he was done for the day. When you, when you, anytime you talk about ribs, uh, you know, and it's, you're kind of a one-off race because he, again, didn't race at the, the winter nationals. So it was kind of a one-off for him. You think, okay, well, he's going to sit out and be done the rest of the day. But, uh, you know, he got, he, <laughs> as, as I said, went out and started the final. And I got, obviously, it didn't hurt him too bad. Dead, from dead last. From dead last. Started dead last and just, just not necessarily super quick, but just had the right momentum going. And, and guys battling left and right, he was able to take advantage of, of a, one guy here and another guy there. And all of a sudden, he's in fifth. And then, boom right behind uh, Wick there uh, as we're coming down to the final laps of the race. 
the whole package was working. Uh, you know, Rainey Pearson, uh, Sweet Tech Power. They had Alan uh, Alan Shuto was was working on the on the DR cart for him. It was uh, he was kind of pitted with uh, Keon Tandon, who was running uh, in the category as well. And, and Joey, every time he caught somebody, he made the pass. He didn't wait. He was setting him up so that he was making sure that he would either have it in turn eleven, the right hand hairpin they call the thumb. Uh, I'd turn eight over the curb. You're flatted all the way to eleven. He would either. And the minute he got there, he was into the inside or he started up perfectly. So he'd have the run down into, into turn number one. And the passes came as soon as he got there. As soon as he got the Jake French, he went by in turn number one. And as you said, you know, last couple laps, he stepped it up, ran down Kyle Wick and heading down to turn number one, white flag lap. He makes the move down the inside, gets the pass done. Car pushes a little wide because it's a downhill run. And, and if you miss it just a little bit with the breaking zone being so short, the, you push out a little wide. Kyle tried to get back down on the inside, probably should have waited, caught the caught the left front, and spun him around. Tough one for Kyle Wick with a DNF. He did not need that because even a fourth-place finish would have kept him in the championship battle. And it still might, again, because we don't it, know what's going to unfold at, you know, at the Summer Nationals. And, and again, it's it, it's just a, a learning experience that Wick's going to have to to kind of bite down and, and suffer through. But, again, there's there's two two rounds ahead of him, but uh, – but again, a great drive for for Wimsett finishing up on the podium with uh, Bedozo and Ramirez. And again, Jake French fast lap. So they they had that thing dialed in. Probably just got to work a little bit more on consistency. But again, Jake's been out of the out of the cart for quite a while. Uh, I think his last race was, as you said, running the Supernats last year in KZ. But he was quick. So I expect to see more of Jake French uh, come Summer Nats time. And as, and aside from Musser being, you know, you know coming in as a and winning as a championship leader. I think Budozo is the other championship leader that leaves still there with a fourth place finish on Saturday. Right. So essentially three podiums in the first four rounds. That's, that's really good, especially in this pro shifter category, which is so tight with, with the number of drivers that are there fighting for every podium spot they possibly can get. So that this, you know, for for him to go into what essentially is a home track for him in Newcastle, uh, as a championship leader, it's going to be very exciting uh, at the Summer Nationals. I agree with you. Uh, moving to Pro Shifter 2, Saturday essentially belonged to Race Liberante. Of course, a winner uh, at the Winter Nats was leading in round number two when he got uh, when he got uh, an instant, got into the wall. Qualifies on pole, wins the pre-final, wins the main event. There was a bit of carnage, uh, but the driver who kind of moved in and, and stepped things up was Connor Robles. Uh, great job for the driver out of Temecula, California. David, right out of S5 last year. First podium for Connor. P2, they were pretty pumped up about it, but he ran great. He was right there, finished uh, second ahead of Calvin Ming, but was putting down the kind of laps you need to be able to get on the podium in Pro Shifter 2. Yeah, to enable to finish on the podium, first must finish. And and he was able to do that and run, as you said, consistent laps and actually was ahead of Calvin Ming, who who finished on the podium at the Winter Nationals. So, so Ming... Ended up on a second podium, uh, but really uh, kudos to Robles for uh, getting that runner-up spot. On Sunday uh, in the Pro Shifter 2 class, Max Hewitt laying down the fast lap. He also was the fastest in the pre-final and scored the victory there. Um, I, I actually, you know, in, with all the excitement we were watching up front, I, I wasn't paying close enough attention to actually what happened. I know that, 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 that Liberante ended up with a broken throttle. He was actually leading, I think, at one point uh, with about five laps left. But it was Mark Snyder that actually came out with the victory. Uh, the, the the brother duo, the Snyders out of Texas, big one for him and, and to score a huge win over Max Hewitt. 
Yeah, what well, it didn't seem Hewitt had the pace uh, in the main event. Not sure if no. it was if it was uh, you know tire related or just just some type of uh, wrong setup change or 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 something something that was amiss because he just didn't seem to quite have the pace that he had earlier in the day. And and as you said, both Snyder brothers were able to be ahead of him. But uh, Liam Snyder, who finished second, actually was handed a 10-second penalty for passing under yellow. So that elevated Hewitt back up to second and then moved Anthony Freeze up to third on the uh, PSL uh, Cambrian Carding uh, Burrell Art. Good weekend for uh, for the Snyders. Uh, with Arcade Motorsports, I believe, is what, they, what they've got in the carts. What I, I, what I like about it is they come in with their own livery. You know, it's not like they're with a team or whatever it may be, or, you know, you're just running, you're running the, the stock, uh, you know, chassis livery, whether it's Tony Carparel, whatever it is. These guys have their own, I love it. They have their own stuff, their own look. Um, and man, they were fast. I'm, I'm really hoping they come to the Summer Nats. I know they do a lot of Formula Car racing as well. I really hope they come to the Summer Nats. They were a great addition to the S, the, uh, the Pro Shifter 2 field in Utah. I, I hope they come to Summer Nats. Yeah, the, the graphics kit looked amazing yeah. and, uh, and a big win for uh, Formula K. It's been a it's been a while. True enough. Mark Snyder with the win. Max Hewitt second, and Anthony Freeze in third. Uh, in G one, uh, you know, I, I think it's the EKN visor strip that does it for Jordan Musser. He always wears he always wears the E card in his visor strip. But dude, he was super strong again, right? Just didn't now didn't win all three sessions because Ryan Poole qualified on pole on on, on Sunday, but on Saturday. Muster with the quickest lap, wins the pre-final, and wins the main event. But it's not like the storyline that we've had in the other six races, you know, uh, the six races, Winter Series and the Winter Nats. Muster was pushed hard all weekend by John Crow and Ryan Poole. It was like Crow and Poole were his shadows because everywhere <laughs> Muster was were Crow and Poole. And and you weren't quite sure who was going to be up to the challenge to kind of to challenge and, and, or attempt to pass uh, Musser. Nothing really happened Saturday because, as we said, Musser kind of swept the, uh, the, the events, but it was Ryan Poole that actually had fast lap of the, of the main event on Saturday. That carried over onto Sunday. Yeah, but both, both Crow and Poole had the faster lap in the race, right, than, than, yeah. than Jordan, I believe. And, and yes. Crow, Crow kind of stepped things up late in the race, was able to, to slide through to get P2. It was a great run for him. But as you said, Ryan Poole, I, I, we, I talked, something happened to the chassis. It was quickly in passing when I was running back to the, to the booth, something happened to his chassis that bounded up a little bit. I think I, I want to say that maybe his, one of his tires might've, might've pushed in, you know, one of his hubs might've slid in. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but something happened, but he kept it going on Sunday. As you said, actually qualified on pole. And I think did Musser qualified third. I think, I think Crow was second. Was he not? Musser, Musser qualified third. Crow was able to be second <laughs> and pool being first. It was the first session, on-track session, including qualifying, pre-final, final, that Musser had not been P1 throughout 2019. Yeah. So, so Poole wins that uh, trivia trivia contest. I just, I, I just like the fact, you know, you add Ryan Poole. Hopefully, Ryan's going to come out with the crew to the Summer Nationals. And it says Jordan had said somewhere on, on Facebook, I saw that he's expecting to see double the turnout. So are we going to get 10, 12 drivers potentially in G1? Uh, I hope so. Uh, but Crow and Poole definitely stepped up, made it super exciting for us. Uh, Poole actually jumped out to the lead and and led most of the final, if I'm not mistaken. Led led the almost the entire pre-final, but Musser was able oh, to get right. around him there uh, with, I believe, one lap to go. So Musser grabbed that win. And then again, Musser was out front, grabbed the whole shot, and was leading 
led the entire final, but Crow came again, had that con- tire conservation thing going, yeah, didn't quite burn his tires up in the pre-final and had a, maybe a little bit extra in the final and, and used it to try and get by Musser there on that last lap. Let's talk about that. In the 12-lap pre-final with Poole leading and Musser in second, Crow was right there for the longest time. I think he was probably waiting for it to happen. You know, if Jordan goes by, I'm going to come by with him. But then with about four or five to go, I think he realized, hey, you know what? Uh, he just he just checked out. He actually got way way off the throttle. His lap, his lap time's fallen by about five or six tenths of a second. He kind of cruised around and took care of the tires for the final five or six laps, maybe the second half of the pre-final. And that really paid off. And Jordan talked about this uh, after the race. Really paid off when they went to the main event. And at the end, those last you know handful of laps of the twenty lapper, he was the guy. He was the fastest guy on the racetrack, and he was eventually able to reel in 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 pool and make a last lap move for second. So it's Nate. No, pardon me. He makes the move for second, and then he makes move for the lead. And there's contact over in turn number eleven. That's a, a re- reset my mind. What do you think of that move? Well, it was, I think basically Musser went to the defensive line and and Crow decided he's not going to, didn't think he was going to block and and ended up blocking and, and just, you know, contact happened. Um, I think just a a little contact. It wasn't major. No, it was enough. It was enough to throw Crow off, uh, off his line and then shoot him straight into the pass the breaking zone. So he kind of overshot the apex and, and that allowed, uh, you know, Musser to, to continue on and, and then pool slide right through for second. And, and so, it, you know, is again, Crow will tell you that it was a racing incident. You know, there's no, nothing deemed uh, wrong or, or unsportsmanlike. It was everybody going for the same piece of real estate. Well, and, and kudos to John because Crow got a big, big run. He, he left enough gap, right? Coming through into the box, which is the six, the left hand, right hand turn six, double left seven eight and then the right hand kind of turn nine you got to get up and over the curb and turn number eight you're you're full throttle all the way to 11 and he got a huge run and as soon as he got as i said as soon as he came out of the chicane 10 a and 10 b he shot all the way across the track and was was almost in there like he was in but then jordan had kind of come out of the corner and he was making his move across to you know to run that defensive inside line that's where the contact happened and and you know kudos to john because again you're into the breaking zone and you're flat out from eight, like you're trucking. I'm not sure what the speeds are going into there. And he obviously kind of got off, kind of got messed up a little bit, laid on the brakes and kind of pushed up the track. Didn't go off, saved it, brought it back around, but both Jordan and Ryan able to get through. Just for us on the sidelines, it was super exciting to watch, I thought. Three drivers putting on a great show. Some of the best racing we saw all weekend. Well, sometimes it only takes two, but this time we got to see three drivers going at it. <laughs> True, true. Uh, in the S4 category, a quick wrap. Brett Harrelson uh, won, was qualified on pole, won the pre-final, and I believe he won the race on track as well, but was penalized back a spot. Ken Schilling getting the victory. Harrelson second, Miguel Garcia in third. On Sunday again, Harrelson, quickest driver in qualifying. Uh, something happened to Harrelson, I believe, in the pre-final. Schilling won that, and Harrelson came back, and he won the race. Schilling second, Garcia third. That's the S4 master stock Honda class. X30 master now, David. Uh, Derek Wang having a good run at the Winter Nationals, came in as the point leader. But the bottom line is, Matt Johnson, you brought this up early in the broadcast that he had won the tag senior race, not master, tag senior race back in 2012 uh, at the the Summer Nats in Utah. Flat dominated the weekend. 
winning every session, fastest laps. He just he flat dominated the weekend and is definitely back in, in the hunt for the championship. Not only in the hunt, but leading the championship, obviously, with a clean, yeah. clean sweep. Uh, maximum points on Saturday, as you said, winning, uh, leading qualifying, winning the prefinal, and then just wire to wire in the final over Jess Peterson and Derek Wang. But Johnson became the third different winner with that victory on Saturday. So we were hoping to see maybe a fourth, but again, Johnson was way too strong on Sunday. Uh, talk about Sunday a little bit again, Johnson doing everything he had to do early in the qualifying run though. I think part where the storyline kind of swapped was Peterson rolls in front of us, what two laps in, or maybe a lap. And like he, I think he might've got one lap in ends up qual- qualifying last in the field. And in that X30 masters class overall, 12 carts, eight in masters, four in super master. But, but Jess had to start at the very tail of the field, able to work his way forward, ends up P3 in the, in the pre-final and then goes racing from there into second. So Johnson out Peterson second strong, but the exciting part of that race was Vache Tatikian. He was on the move uh, in, you know, midway through that thing kind of came alive and he actually was able to reel in Derek Wang uh, and pass Derek Wang and then almost got by Peterson. Yeah, it was very close. I think maybe if he had one or two more laps, it could have been an yeah. interesting fight uh, down to the wire for that second position. But, and, you know, Johnson was just on cruise control throughout the main event and, Wang didn't really have anything for him, and, and Peterson had a little bit more at the beginning, got out to the second spot. But as we said, he probably had a little bit too much uh, tire degradation, and that allowed Tatikian to kind of close that up uh, late going on and getting by Wang and then almost getting by Peterson for that second spot. Yeah, Jess had to push pretty hard in the prefinal to get himself back into a place to to battle it. And not even just a place to start, right, David? It was It was getting those points needed. And because we talked about this, I talked about it a lot on the broadcast. Yeah, you're trying to move forward if you've had an issue and you're starting at the back. You're trying to move forward because you really want that better starting spot for the main. But you know, there's 100 points up for grabs. It's 100, 90, 80, 70, on, so on down. One spot's 10 points. And you don't think about that when you're on the racetrack so much. It's like, oh, where am I going to start? Um, but when you get to Sunday and you're like, man, I. I'm five points back, or I lose a championship by five points. All you would have had to do is pass somebody in the pre-final, and it would have changed your championship. That's I think that's I think it, the way the Scusas got their 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 uh, points program set up is perfect, and it means you have to push in every session to get every petition uh, every spot you possibly can. Yeah, and we'll see how things shake out because really it's these four guys that are really going to be in the hunt for the championship. Obviously, Johnson with two. Uh, big rounds in, in Utah going to probably take over the point lead over over Derek Wang and Just Peterson's going to be right there with two runner ups in Utah and then round one winner Vache Tatikian getting another podium finish uh, to go along with his victory in Cal Speed so those four guys are going to be the ones to watch at, at Newcastle. Agreed. Let's wrap up this particular section of the race report. I'll do a quick one through the X30 Supermaster category. We had four drivers. John Persing essentially uh, dominated in the weekend. Uh, he won all six of the sessions, but was right in there in the middle of the battle, too. He was scrapping it out with Jonathan Silva, with Tim Meyer. He was battling it out with the Masters drivers, too. Uh, in the first day, Steve Martin finished second and John Roos in third. Same podium on Sunday. Martin much closer to Persing in the main event. Pushed him around pretty much for the the majority of that 20-lapper. John Bruce, again, the local driver, uh, capping off the podium. A perfect score for John Persing on the weekend. He takes, obviously, a a strong position as the point leader uh, in X30 Supermaster. 
All right, folks, final break I think we have here, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, final break. Folks, we're going to wrap it up with the final four cat or five categories. Then David and I will have a look at the EK and Trackside Live race calendar, tell you where we're going to be going in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll wrap it all up, uh, sent you with the finale. We'll talk about the Constructors' Championship, and we'll talk about just what we saw and what we're looking forward to seeing in the next event. Stick with us, folks. More to come. The race report, the second half here on the EKN Debrief. For over 25 years, Supercarts USA has been changing the face of American karting. The debut of the Scusa Promoto Tour in 1999 totally transformed national-level karting in the U.S., and now the current Pro Tour is enjoying its unprecedented 10th season of competition. The Scusa Pro Tour is the longest-running coast-to-coast national series in the sport. Nothing else has come close in the last 30 years. The Pro Tour is exciting, hardcore racing, the foundation of Supercarts USA is its regional programs, and we welcome all racers to come experience our style of events. Our flagship region is the California Pro Kart Challenge, a six-weekend series that races from April to September from Fontana to Monterey. The Texas Pro Kart Challenge is in its eighth season and is in the middle of an exciting six-race, three-weekend schedule that takes drivers to Denton, Amarillo, and Houston. And new for 2019 is the return of the Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge, where Scusa was born and raised. The series features four weekends at Newcastle, Norway, and Road America. We'd love to have you experience our product, and we hope to see you at a future Supercarts USA event. To learn more, head to supercartsusa.com. Attention, Carters of the Midwest. Supercarts USA is back. The Scusa Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge kicked off the season on a high note at Newcastle last month, and we're now looking forward to the next event at Concept Haulers Motor Speedway in June. The venue, which many still refer to as Norway, is a legendary track in Scusa history, and we'll be back to fire up the action on the June 1st and 2nd weekend. This is your chance to run all the Scusa categories in X30, KA100, Mini and Microswift, and of course, it's Scusa, where Scusa was born. The shifter carts will be front and center. The Great Lakes Pro Kart Challenge will be your place in the Midwest to race stock Honda, KZ, and the awesome new IAMI SSE 175cc shifter. Finally, Midwest racers can compete in a Scusa Regional Series, and if it's your goal, prepare for the National Pro Tour. Follow Supercarts USA's newest regional program on Facebook at Scusa Great Lakes PKC and on Instagram at Scusa Great Lakes. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. My name's Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. This is episode number 48 of the EKN Debrief. Dave and I, midway through, I would say, our review of the Supercarts USA Spring Nationals, rounds three and four of their pro tour here in 2019. David and I just got home from the Utah Motorsports Campus in Erda, Utah, as they call it now. We used to call it Tuella, but now they're using Erda as the uh, the home of the racetrack. David, let's get back in here. Trinity Karting Group, the presenting sponsor of our race report this particular event. Let's jump into X30 Junior. Big, big field, great drivers, guys that we've seen in X30 Junior, a lot of great drivers coming up from the Mini Swift category as well, but the Juniors put on a fantastic show. It was a good show, a big field, as you said, but uh, really it was one driver that kind of stood out throughout the weekend, and that was uh, Freddie Slater. 
uh, the British driver came over, uh, racing in the junior category for a second time, uh, raced at the winter nationals and, and cow speed, but, uh, just really shined throughout the, uh, through weekend, especially Saturday sweeping, uh, the event in the category, uh, setting fast time and qualifying, winning the pre-final. And then again, uh, scoring the victory in the final after holding off, uh, Kip, Kiffin Simpson and, and Dale Curran, but it was actually a penalty for, Kiffin Simpson, who uh, recorded the fast lap, uh, penalized for contact, which put him down to six. And then that allowed uh, John Burke to join Slater and Curran, our round two, uh, round one winner uh, on the podium. So another good finish for Burke, a uh, good finish for Curran, who uh, was desperately needed that after a, a tough round two to put himself back in the points chase. And then Slater becoming, becoming the third different winner uh, in the category. And we've had we had a bunch of categories with three different winners. I think I think that speaks to the the competition level, right? You never know who's going to step up. Now, we'll talk about Sunday because obviously Slater stepped it up and and got his second win, but a lot of different winners in a lot of different categories is just showing us how competitive this championship is. Exactly. The Pro Tour is that's I think kind of when we talked about the the championship leaders having issues, it's because we're seeing a lot of different drivers step up and, and be able to contend for victory rather than, than seeing really dominant performances uh, aside from, from Norberg that we saw on the weekend and, and Matt Johnson, but uh, you know, Cal speed with the weather, it definitely helped uh, throw bone in there for a lot of different drivers and, 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 and kind of shuffled things around. But, but again, as you said, Sunday was, was a kind of a different story and, and for the uh, X 30 junior category. Kiffin Simpson qualifying on the pole position, so he bounces back after that penalty. Uh, Freddie Slater then, of course, came out and won the pre-final again very strong. The race itself didn't go the full 20-lap distance. We had a red flag after 14 laps. There was an incident over coming out of turn four. Someone drove over the top of Cole Morgan, and I'm told that that he kind of came out of the cart and came back down hard and was complaining of back pain. And any time we have a driver complaining of back pain, especially if they're in their younger categories, whatever it may be, you, you complain about back pain, you know, they're going to go yellow. They're going to, we went, we went full course yellow, eventually pulled out the red uh, because you want to get the EMTs out to them, make sure everything's fine. Uh, you know, checking out some social media right now. looks like he's going to be okay. Potentially just a pinch nerve, I think uh, for, uh, for Cole Morgan, who had otherwise had a great weekend. He was fast. Uh, he was running fourth at the time, but David, the red flag came out and, you know, 14, 15 laps in only five to go. Scusa says, you know what? We're past the halfway point. We'll call it. And again, uh, for, for Freddie Slater, he ends up with the victory. Josh Pearson in second, and Ignacio Montenegro ended up in third. Yep, it was, uh, actually Jason uh, Luang was uh, second uh, in the actual running order at the time of the 14 laps. But a pushback bumper penalty dropped him down to 11th yeah. because, again, that field was so – that lead group was so tight, and, and a lot of drivers were in the hunt uh, as we were coming down to, to the final circuits till that red flag came out. Obviously, Cole Morgan being one of them, and then another being uh, Brannion Tyner, who I believe was involved in that red flag, but continued on, but was able to be put back to fifth because of where the he, the running order was at the time yeah. of the red flag. So the last completed going back yeah. to that last completed. So lap, Tyner yeah. Yeah. in that championship hunt definitely benefited from from that. Uh, moving on to the K100 Junior class, I'm just going to say this right now, David. The K100 Junior class is both both junior and senior 
really good racing. Everybody was so close. We, it was it was these six, seven cart packs battling up front. It was fun to watch. Uh, really, though, the, the kind of the class of the KA100 field had to have been Brent Cruz. Qualified on pole on Saturday, pre-final on, on, uh, on as well. Ends up scoring the, the race win. He and, and Cole Morgan pulling away. Uh, they had a great battle for the last lap. But Cruz in the Kart Sport North America, Kart Republic, was just on point all weekend in KA100 Junior. Yeah, we had a bet going to see when Cruz was going to go, going to move, try his move for the lead or and what corner it was going to be. I said turn 11, you said turn 12. He proved both of us wrong and made that pass in turn one and was able to hold on uh, to to secure the victory. It was the patience, right, that we've seen, David. You, you and I have watched over the last many years. You've been with me for 15 years. We've seen so many great races. And it's when you start seeing the drivers really understand not not just the racecraft, but the race strategy. When they realize that that the the key to winning is getting with the leader or being the leader, whatever, getting with the leader and pulling away, making it a two driver battle because it's so hard to pull away yourself in that category unless the cart's perfect. But just Cruz just sat there on Morgan's rear bu- on the bumper and just went to work. Right, went to school. Where am I faster? Where can I make the move? You know, what line do I have to take to be able to get the run I want? And as you said. We thought it was going to be 11 or 12. It ended up being turn number one, but just a great run for, for Cruz to get that first victory. Yeah. And we, and in the same, the, the type of situation that we, we talked about when there's more, when you're not racing just one driver and it's, it's more than one kind of played out in the pre found. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So, um, Cruz with the victory. Cole Morgan ends up in second, obviously stayed right there. Caleb Schrader. For uh, Rawlison Performance Group, a strong run for him ends up in P3. Ryan Myers actually with the fast lap of the race. Uh, but then Cruz kept it going. Qualifies again on pole on Sunday, David. Yeah, it was uh, Cruz out front leading the field to the green flag in the pre-final. But everybody kind of picked up their pace in the pre-final to keep up with Cruz. And, and he wasn't able to get away. Neither was Morgan. Those two were kind of battling for the lead on the final lap when they made contact uh, through the S's after turn 12 that kind of shuffled things up as they, they both uh, pushed out and uh, allowed a group of drivers to come through led by Kiffin Simpson, who grabbed that race win and both Cruz and Morgan ended up outside the top five. They got uh, penalties. I think they got, they got rough. They got, did they get avoidable contact? Penalties? No, they were, they just had both had contact and went <laughs> okay. off track and, and continued on. So uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure I don't believe there was a penalty, but uh, Morgan wasn't able to start that, main event because he was involved in that red flag in X30 junior, which was the first race, the first race of the rotation. Exactly. So, uh, so Morgan was a DNS for, for that category. Uh, but Cruz, uh, was able to continue on and, and put on a good show in the final. Uh, yes. Cruz with another win and fast lap of the race. So he, uh, obviously your point leader, uh, Oh, yeah, he's the point leader, I believe, coming out of the race. Connor no. Zilich in second. No, he's not. No, because Cruz was not at Cal State. He didn't. He didn't run the Winter Nationals. That's right. Yeah. So who's the point leader? Have you figured it out yet? Well, Ho, Ethan Ho, won both races at Cal Speed. Was able to finish. What did I say the best was maybe a fifth. Uh, yeah, he had a sixth and a fifth. So uh, you know, really two it, wins and a fifth. And yeah. then Cole Morgan being you know a DNS in round four. Uh, Kiffin Simpson probably has maybe the best overall record, but again, he didn't quite have an amazing Cal speed weekend as well too. So that category is kind of just out in the open really. So, uh, who knows who's going to be leading that. Can Cruz sweep the summer Nats and win? 
I'd like to see if that could happen. Well, he's, you know, he's, again, he's taking, de- a, he's taking one zero. It depend, right? it, it's it's on it's it depends on having guys having two bad rounds because yeah. obviously if you have one bad round you drop that, but if you have two bad rounds then you know there, that's that's a possibility. So again, just to wrap up, uh, Cruz with the win, Connor Zilich in second, Diego Larocque coming in there to third, had a good run on Sunday and was able to work his way up into the P3 position in KA100 Junior. Let's move to KA100 Senior. Three more categories to wrap up here in the race report brought to you by Trinity Karting Group. Nick Ramirez coming out of the box strongly, David, uh, as the, the top qualifier, but he spun while leading the pre-final, uh, which kind of changed the complexion of that race. Well, as we said earlier, that that turn one complex is very tricky. Uh, we had Musgrave go off while leading in in Pro Shifter. We had, and then and then earlier in the day, we had Ramirez do the same thing. And he was they, they weren't the only ones. I mean, there was a number of drivers that that just struggled with with the long straightaway going into the double apex uh, turn one complex. It was a very very tricky situation. So Joshua Fine and Blake Hunt, good all weekend long. Austin Osborne, talk about a little bit about what ha- happened to him on, on Saturday. It was very similar to Jess Peterson, right? Uh, Saturday, uh, Osborne had an issue with his brake system on qualifying. So basically came from last uh, on the field but and then worked his way all the way up through the field to to win the pre-final across the line as the winner but was docked three positions for what he considered to be not a jump start. <laughs> well, he we, he came and talked to us afterwards. He had some issues with the brakes, as you said, and he figured it out very early in qualifying that this thing's just not working. Something's wrong. I think the, the master cylinder was leaking or something like that. So he had to start dead last in the pre-final, as you said, worked his way forward, got docked the, 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 the spots for the jump start, and you never know what's going to happen. He He's telling us he timed it perfectly. He says, it may not look that way in the video, but I timed it perfectly. So... Uh, he was he was standing by that. Uh, in the end, though, David, talk about the race and Joshua Fine and Blake Hunt. Yeah, in the race, uh, Osborne was up there with uh, Fine, who won the pre-final, and then Blake Hunt. Uh, so it was a kind of a three-driver battle until Osborne kind of came off, was a little bit off pace towards the end. So Hunt was leading with uh, Joshua Fine uh, right on his bumper. The two kind of went back and forth on the last lap, and Fine was able to pull the over-under move on on Hunt in turn 12 yes. and secure the victory for the local driver. We saw a lot of those passes, right? Because when you block, it's turn 12 as is is an increasing radius corner where you keep bringing it around to turn 13 and guys would block on the inside, go a little wide. The guy challenging would go way wide and get that big turn, the big arc. And we saw a bunch of guys make that un, like that over-under move to be able to get the, the pass. And indeed, Joshua Fine with the win. Blake Hunt in second with fast lap. He'll take those bonus points. And uh, Austin Osborne in the third position. On Sunday, Osborne coming back. Obviously, he he's trying to recover. He knows he's got a shot at winning this championship after scoring a victory at the Winter Nats. He qualifies on pole, but after some issues on uh, on Saturday, Walker Hess arrived on the scene in the prefinal. Yeah, Hess was a little was top five speed throughout Saturday, but really found the speed overnight and uh, was able to to jump out to the front and win the prefinal. And then it was a four-driver fight in the main event with uh, Hess, Hunt, Fine, and Osborne. Uh, all four kind of mixing it up early on. Uh, Hus, Hess, and Hunt were really the quickest of the of the two dri- of the four drivers that were out front. Um, and but it was really Hess that was able to just kind of pull away and and maintain that gap uh, over Blake Hunt, who scored the fast lap of the race. So another ten bonus points for him. 
And then Joshua Fine finishing third for a second podium on the weekend. So a great weekend for him. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the wild opening lap. It was interesting because it's see- – <laughs> You, I always want guys just to kind of relax a bit at the start. I realize you want to get aggressive and you're trying to find spots, but on a track like this, if you're fast, you're going to the front. I don't care what it is. Well, the opening lap for turn one, two, then three and over to four, man, guys were just, it was, they were driving on over top of each other. It was crazy. Uh, someone drove over top of, of Ryan Poole. I believe Nick Persing was trying to make a move to the inside coming out of three over to four contact. They went over top of each other uh, or Persing went over top of Ryan Pools off the track and done. Person who comes in as the point leader of the weekend ends up suffering a bent axle. He's done. Uh, again, just one of those deals where you kind of throw away a race on the opening lap. It just ne- it's never, never made sense to me. Uh, Austin, well, Oz- it, oh. it, it really it really started on the opening lap um, as they came th- after they came through 12 because I happened to be out there. And, I, and I, we'll, we'll share a photo of, of one driver going over Nick pool or Ryan pool. Um, so they all kind of bunched up and they're all trying to get around pool. Cause I think he kind of bogged out of the corner. So it was two by two for like 10 guys, you know, the rest of the field essentially, because the other four were able to get away. And so they came onto the straightaway and it was Nick Martin who just almost basically launched as like okay. he was a, a, a fighter jet pilot taking off. <laughs> Evil I got it. Yeah. And so I have a great image of that. And then, as you said, then it continued on with uh person getting into pool uh, down there at the uh, turn three section on the second lap. Okay. And then that's the interesting part of the race, that track, right? Coming out of 12 and 13, you go through the 14, 15 combination, which is a right, left, like kind of S's and then you go to through the kind of double right handers to lead back over to 18. And I, I remember everybody stacking up in there. Yeah, and I no, think no, that, I, nobody was giving up any room to anybody no. on the opening lap. Right. And they're all dri- driving on top of each other and getting in the back of each other. And again, that's right. Then it ends up being Nick Martin who drove over top. That's right. Um, another driver who had some issues, Austin Osborne settled in to what probably would have been a solid position was he, I think he was running in third spot and up getting a flat tire he tried to drive it around as much as he could with that flat tire, but he was you know, a couple seconds off the pace. Everybody ate him up, and finally uh, they gave him the meatball flag. But a tough one. That, that'll be the drop for Austin Osborne. He's you know like a lot of guys that we saw have issues here in Utah. He's going to have to be perfect. He cannot have a DNF or a bad race at Summer Nats if he wants to win a championship. Exactly. Moving to Mini Swift right now, David, Kai Sorensen has kind of been the guy to watch uh, in this mini swift category, his third year in the class, he'll move to X30 junior this year. So he's trying to win this championship. He ends up qualifying on the pole. Um, but talk a bit about the pre-final because it was kind of interesting the way things shook down that this field was super tight. Kai was strong, but this field you know, qualifying was important. It was just super tight all weekend. It was very close. Uh, you, you know, he, he had a great Saturday, but uh, you know, that pre-final they they kind of stayed with each other and weren't uh, as as the K one hundred senior guys were not uh, mixing up when they shouldn't be and so luckily they waited till the last lap. Jack Jeffers pulled pulled off the victory, dropping Source and down to uh, the fourth spot. At the start of the main event, uh, Sorensen fell back to about sixth position, was able to fight his way back to the front. Uh, there was still quite a ways to go. I think five laps still remaining in the race. When we went red flag, we had an incident on the front straightaway involving John Antonino. John was fine, which was which was great. Uh, but was I think he, I think he said he had bit his tongue or something like that. And and so again, red we go red flag, and they decide to shut the race down. Well past the halfway point. No, nope, nope. what it was lap five when the red flag came out. And oh, then, pardon me. Yep. 
lot five sure, when yeah. they when when the red flag came out, and then for, for Antonino, and then um, oh, and right. then we had an incident as the red flag came out, which in, involved uh, Ethan Ayers getting run over by another driver because again, many drivers don't understand that dual yellow flags mean slow down. Red ma- red flag means the race is not on anymore. Slow even more down. I talked to Ethan afterwards, him and his dad, and he said that he probably has never been hit that hard. Yeah. Because he came in, you know, had the hand up and was stopped, and essentially the driver just didn't even slow down. And well, he, he still had marks from his neck brace being stretched, you know, over his, you know, I don't know how those those new neck braces work, but you could see, uh, you know, kind of an outline of, of the um, – the pieces that come together, the, the straps somehow, I don't know how they work, but it, it left a mark on his neck Ouch. from getting hit so hard. Yeah, it was, so yeah, it was the, it was not a good hit. And obviously that driver was, was removed uh, from the race because of the contact. And then again, medical attention for him and John Antonio. All right. So Phil, so wrap things up here, David, you're obviously watching. So the up. race gets restarted <laughs> after five there laps into it, cut short to 13 lap total. David gets and the benefit. Then, David gets the benefit of writing the race report to remember this. I'm trying to go off what I was announcing all day long, but good for you. Keep going. Yeah. So that's why I wrote in the notes: race was cut short to just 13 laps after red flag on lap five. <laughs> You're right, David. Sorry, but it's okay. You know, nobody reads anymore, right? They just look at uh, headlines and then continue shuffling through their phone. I'm trying to work what I can do here. But so- <laughs> Sorensen with the win. Let's just put it. So let's yeah. Put it that so way. after after the race gets restarted, Sorensen gets out to the front. And has his teammate Anderson Leonard behind him, and they go out uh, and finish one-two. Christian Miles ended up winning the battle for third. What I thought was kind of wild on Sunday, Sorensen, of course, comes out and gets the gets the the, the qual- qualifies on pole uh, using the draft. I think it might have been Gaffera he used the draft on, but he got a good draft, like two tenths faster than the field in the final circuit. But wow, pre-final, right? Everybody comes out for the pre-final. It's a ten-lapper for the category. Everybody's in position. They're working their way out of turn, you know, in, out of eleven through turn twelve. All of a sudden, Sorensen pulls to the right and stops. Dead stick. Yeah, they think it was something electrical, either with the the shut off button or or just something in the electrical yeah. that uh, he tried to get it refired. Yeah, it but, wouldn't allow the engine to refire. So the pole sitter in this huge field is going to end up having to start at the tail. And so we knew we'd have something to watch coming through in the main event. But in his in his absence, Caleb Gaffera stepped up big time in the prefinal and was able to go to the front and pull away and, and grab that race win. Pretty impressive for Gaffera uh, to be able to get that win and then start on the pole position for the main, although it wouldn't pay off as issues with his engine sent him kind of just tumbling through the field. Yeah, he got out to a big lead uh, on the opening lap as they shuffled up behind him. But uh, once the, uh, the Gremlins struck his engine, it kind of – hampered his pace like every other lap it seemed like it cleaned itself out and then the next lap it was bogged down so it was a really uh, a struggle main event which you know could have been a a big victory for him or at least an attempt at uh, a victory for him ended up being a a a bad finish for him but that allowed uh, Enzo Delini and Christian Miles to kind of pull away Uh, they they became the the lead duo and racing for the victory and it was kind of a chaotic last lap for them. Yeah, Miles was uh, doing a great job trying to hold him off. I believe uh, Delee took the lead. I think Myers, uh, I think rather Christian Miles took it back. Was he D take it back? No. Well, they they kind of went Delini back and, and forth 11. through 11 and yeah. 12, yes. Delini took it in 11. He got the inside of 11. 
Christian did the over-under mm-hmm. in turn number 12 and 12 to 13. He takes the lead again coming through the S's. Through the right hand, turn 15 or 16, 17, but left the door just open enough, and Delini jammed the Tony Kart to the inside. He actually was able to come out of the final corner. I think the Miles, in fact, even got shuffled off a bit into the gravel a little bit, but he opened the door. Delini went in, and he was actually able to score the race win. It was it was a wild, but from 11 to 18, those seven corners were super exciting to watch. Yep, and a great drag race to the fi- to yeah. to the stripe and. It, it, again, we couldn't really see it because we had we had the tent, uh, the concession cart tent uh, overhanging, so we couldn't see that last corner right. and see the actual the actual move that Enzo pulled off. But uh, a great way to to grab your first Pro Tour victory. Dave, talk a bit about Sorensen coming through the field. He was definitely the man on the move, able to get up to sixth. But, but. well, it all it all started really with uh, him involved in the turn one incident. That's right. He actually. Yeah. He was actually probably two to three seconds off the tail of the field by the time they came around for that first uh, lap of the final. Probably so, six, probably six carts involved in turn number one. He got collected in that, right? Exactly. Yeah, and who you know who knows if he had nowhere to go or what happened, but it didn't seem like the damage anything to to his machine because he was he was definitely on the move with fast laps uh, of the race and knifed his way all the way up into the sixth position, but a uh, obviously a pushback bumper penalty. Sometimes you don't quite get through cleanly. Uh, dropped him down to ninth. Uh, again, to wrap that up, as we said, Enzo Delini with the win, that last corner pass over Christian Miles. Parker DeLong coming home to end up in the uh, the third position on Sunday. Dave, let's wrap up the race report with uh, Micro Swift. Uh, a pretty good battle throughout most of the weekend with James Moss and Jack Eiliff. Uh, they were together for a lot of that race. Jack Eiliff, actually, Moss was on pole on Saturday. Jack Eiliff winning the prefinal. But really, in truth, Jack Eilip kind of handled the entire weekend. He did. He was uh, basically the driver to beat. Uh, Moss was obviously the top challenger, especially on Saturday. Uh, was right there with him throughout the main event. Actually picked up the fast lap uh, bonus points, but uh, didn't quite have enough to uh, to beat Eilif to the checkered flag. Truly Adams uh, coming home in the third spot. Good run to P3, a final position on the podium. Adams actually able to get third in the final lap, uh, getting past Graham Trammell. On Sunday, David All, Jack Eilef, he was able to pull away. It uh, could have been interesting, actually. Logan Chambers, who came in as the point leader, round two winner, he and Moss were trying to close back up. They were kind of working together to try to close back up on Eilef, but they both spun coming through turn number eight. Uh, the high-speed spin kind of you know, in, in unison, they went around, uh, falling to the tail of the field. They fought their way back. Chambers actually got the fast lap of the race. Uh, but in the end, Graham Trammell finishing second. Alfie Slater, uh, Freddie's brother, actually coming up to third. Yeah, great great weekend overall for Iliff. Uh Definitely going to be leaving uh, as the championship leader uh, with those two victories and obviously getting the, those, uh, those points in pre-final and, and qualifying bonus points as well, too. But uh, again, that category still might go down to the wire depending on what happens in Newcastle. Agreed. All right, folks, almost done this edition of the EKN Debrief. Let's jump into the EKN Trackside Live race calendar presented today by Comet Cart Sales. History, success, family. These are the three words that describe Comet Cart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding new parts to their product line. Make sure you head to CometCartSales.com 
or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. All right, David, a quick run through where we're going to be. We actually have a bit of a break now, essentially a month before we're heading back out for the Ecan Trackside Live uh, Tour. June the 14th, 15th, 16th, you are heading to GoPro Motorplex in Mooresville for the Carolina Grand Prix, the second of the three stops of the United States Pro Kart Series. Be rounds three and four. Those uh, seven IAMI categories will be battling again uh, at GoPro Motorplex, which has visited the or which the series has visited for all seven. This was seventh year. Yes. No. Nope, uh, you're five, you're, six, you're home for what three days? We'll do a debrief on yeah. the Monday. Or we'll do a debrief on the Tuesday. Laundry repack. You're heading down. I'm pretty jealous. You're heading down to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the WK Charlotte Motor Speedway Karting Challenge. Big event for WK, part of the Manufacturers Cup. It should be an exciting event. You got all three yeah. programs running uh, at the same time with uh, Manufacturers Cup Series on a temporary circuit uh, using the infield part of the Roval. You have nat- the National Road Racing Series using the oval and part of the Roval part. Uh, infield course uh, for their track and then dirt speedway over at the dirt track across the street uh, on a revised smaller uh, oval for them to uh, to compete on hopefully we'll be under the lights so i'll be able to head over there and, and check that stuff out for their main events once again folks ecan trackside live it'll be tim coyan on the mic at the uspks race eric brennan on the pa at the wk manufacturers cup you'll get that all at uh, ecartynews.com slash live. Make sure you tune in to get all the action from both the USPKS and the WK Manufacturers Cup. David, let's wrap up this edition of the Debrief. We'll look at the Constructors' Championship, as we always do. Ten different brands winning. Tony Kart, though, the big one. They got seven victories winning an X30 Junior, both events. They won in KA100 Senior. Both races in Mini Swift and both races in Micro Swift as well. Pretty good weekend for Tony Kurt. Yeah, very good weekend. Uh, again, that's why they're the multi-time uh, Constructors <laughs> yeah, right. Championship, uh, EKN Constructors Champion, uh, since dating uh, back to when? 2013, 2012, maybe. Yeah. Nash Motorsports grabbing four victories for FA. They won both races in KA, uh, rather uh, X30 Master and both races in X30 Supermaster. So they dominated that particular race group. Uh, Burrell Art with three wins, um, Matias Ramirez in Pro Shifter 1, and of course Jordan Musser in the G1 Gladiator class. Three victories for Cosmic as well, a couple victories for Cart Republic, thanks to Brent Cruz. Uh, Croc Promotion, of course, with one win, Comp Cart with a victory with Race Liberante, Croc winning with Bedozo, Formula K with Snyder, uh, Illuminos with Schilling, and CRG, the one win on the weekend with uh, Britt Harrelson in the S4 category. Three different wins, or three different brands, but again, Tony Kart, David, as you said, super strong again. Numbers, yeah, but it's good. Numbers it's, breed wins. <laughs> but it's good to see that we had 10, again, different brands, so yep. double digits for the number of brands that uh, are scoring victories uh, at the Pro Tour. All right, folks, let's wrap things up. David, what, uh, what do you think for summer now? It's probably the biggest numbers we're going to see all year. I think so. I think we're going to have probably the biggest event of the season next to obviously the, the Super Nationals, but uh, the biggest Pro Tour event I think will be Summer Nationals coming up. Uh, and I, I would really like to see, you know, we they brought them to the national level with, with the Pro Tour and USPKS and WK. I would really like to see the KA divisions break the, the 20 driver mark because I 
with the number of drivers that have these engine packages along the eastern half of the country, I really think that a 20 driver uh, in both junior and senior is That's possible. target. I like it. Seven drivers doubling up on the weekend, folks. In the win column, the championship chases are going to be very interesting when we get to the series finale. And, of course, that is the Scusa Pro Tour Summer Nationals, the 10th edition of the Summer Nationals, August 9th, 10th, 11th at Newcastle Motorsports Park in Newcastle, Indiana. Of course, David and I will be there. Alicia will be with us as well for our social media coverage. Uh, all live on the EKN Radio Network. We hope that you join us for that one. That's three months away, though. we got lots of racing before we get to the Summer Nationals and uh, everyone getting a chance to settle in. David, final words to cap off this edition of the Debrief? Yeah, as you said, it, three more months till we get back to the Scusa Pro Tour. But again, a lot of racing uh, going on. we got tons of club, regional, and, and other programs that are uh, – going to be going on during the months of May, June, and July. We do appreciate everyone listening to the EKN Radio Network. Thank you so much, folks. Uh, David has will be prepping up the uh, main event uh, play-by-play from the Spring Nationals. That'll be on the EKN, uh, EKN Radio Network coming up, so look forward to that. Uh, we'll get this particular podcast up streaming on the EKN Radio Network, and then David will pr- produce it for the, the podcast that you'll be able to get through iTunes or Google Play. You can always listen to our stuff on Podbean and on Spotify as well. And of course, you can either download the EKN Radio Network app to your mobile device or on your desktop or laptop, ecardinews.com slash radio. Folks, thank you so much for joining us. A long edition here, huh? well, almost probably closing in on two hours. So much to talk about with the summer, or the, the spring nationals rather. But uh, David Cole and I and Alicia Hodap had a fantastic trip to Utah. Miller Motorsports Park is what we used to call it. Now the Utah Motorsports Campus, tremendous racetrack. Hopefully, but not likely, we'll be able to be back there sometime in the future. We'll see what happens uh, with the Scusa Pro Tour. And again, another event coming up soon for that track, the Stars and Stripes Trophy uh, for the uh, U.S. Road Tax Program. Folks, we are done here on the EKN Debrief. Again, thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of David Cole, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.